Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From Nola Pizza in the Nola Brewing Tap Room on Chapatula Street in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Rusciutti, Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Rusciutti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. New Orleans is often referred to as a destination city. In the world of tourism, that's shorthand for a place people come to enjoy architecture, food, music, and liberal attitude towards alcohol consumption. <laughs> people who organize activities that depend on attracting large crowds, like conventions, capitalize on our reputation as a destination city. These folks figure if they hold the event in New Orleans, it'll be an incentive for people to show up. The same is true for sporting events. We're hosting the Super Bowl again in 2025. That will make a total of 11 times New Orleans has hosted the Super Bowl, the most by any city in the country, equaled only by Miami. But the Super Bowl, the NCAA Final Four, and what are called Tier 1 sporting events don't decide to come to New Orleans just because fans can walk down Bourbon Street with a Pat O'Brien's Hurricane and do karaoke at the cat's meow. Well, okay, that's part of the reason. But the greater parts of these decisions are made in boardrooms for considerations that are complex and financial. New Orleans representatives in these business meetings are members of an organization called the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation. Since its inception in 1988, the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation has been responsible for creating $3.4 billion worth of economic impact for the city of New Orleans and the state of Louisiana. For most of that time, Jay Cicero has been part of the foundation. And since 1997, he's been its president and CEO. Jay Cicero, welcome out to lunch. Thank you, Peters. A pleasure to be here. If you live in New Orleans, your own sports activities are a lot more frequent than the Super Bowl. They're also a lot less flamboyant and flashy, though they can still frequently be accompanied by an alcoholic beverage. Take, for example, putt-putt or mini golf as it's also known. We have two 18-hole mini golf courses in New Orleans. They're both in City Park in an area called City Putt. City Putt is the most recent attraction to be built in City Park. It opened in 2013 at a cost of 2.7 million, and because of wear and tear brought about by Putt-Putt's enormous popularity, the courses were totally refurbished in 2017. Today, New Orleanians play over 80,000 rounds of mini-golf a year at City Putt. To put that number into context, it's double the number of rounds played at courses in other cities of comparable size. The guiding light of the New Orleans mini-golf industry is the Director of Recreational Services at New Orleans City Park, Wayman Morris. Wayman, welcome out to lunch. Thank you for being here, Peter. Jay, there's no doubt that all of us here in New Orleans feel a sense of pride when we see the city on national TV hosting a major sporting event like the Super Bowl or the Final Four. And $3.4 billion in economic impact is an extraordinary contribution to the economy. But for those of us driving on potholed streets, dealing with 
a continuing underperforming education system battling seemingly chronical dysfunctional sewage and water board and watching the coast get further and further washed away every hour, we'd be forgiven for wondering where all this money is going. We'd also be forgiven for wondering if our property taxes and sales tax are, are funding these glamorous events. So let's start with simple math. Who's paying to fund the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation? And where are all those profits from these Tier 1 sporting events going to? Well, thank you, Peter. It's, a good, it's actually a very good question. Um, one that people uh, ask all the time is, is, how do we have these major economic impact with events, but, but we have so many problems? Um, and my first response is, thank God we have tourism in major events because without them, we'd be in worse shape. Uh, so that's, that's the first reaction is we, we, we're thankful that we have a wonderful facilities like at City Park uh, and uh, Superdome, the arena, convention center, uh, and other area facilities to be able to host uh, major events uh, because without them, again, that and conventions, uh, the, the, without tourism in general, uh, it would be very difficult to, I mean, we'd be in more shape now than ever. And it's because and as much as we want the economy to be more diverse, diversified, it's not. And, 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 and we'd love that. It, it helps tourism. Uh, it helps everything uh, when we can diversify the economy, but it's not. And so uh, until, until it is, you know, we've got we've to really emphasize the things that work in New Orleans, and New Orleans is tailor-made for that. You asked how the Sports Foundation is funded. Uh, we receive a portion of the fairground slot tax uh, and have since its inception. Well, that's in, just uh, part of it, right, Jay? In 2007. That's, that's right. That's, it, it's, uh, it's part of it. And then we also receive some funding through cultural recreation and tourism at the state of Louisiana. And the remainder of our funding is through uh, private fundraising through either memberships. Uh, we have a, a Chamber of Commerce type membership program. Uh, we also do certain fundraisers uh, throughout the year. One of them is our premier season ticket fundraiser, which we may talk a little bit about uh, later, uh, and, other, and, and other things. The events themselves, very difficult to fundraise off of because you have to give up so much to get them. So you, that's another part of your life that we don't know about, out there finding, finding money. Well, you know, when you, <laughs> when you make a commitment for, for an event, you don't have the money in the bank. That's not, what, that's not the way it works. Now, some other cities may have that, and it's very difficult to compete with. Uh, but when in, in Louisiana and New Orleans, you're working with, um, uh, you, you make a bid based upon the best business deal you can make and, and the confidence that you can go and raise the funds afterwards. And Jay, where do the, the profits go? I used to sit on the city's revenue estimating committee and yeah. one of the things that, it doesn't bring in $3.4 billion worth of uh, uh, revenue, for instance, for the city. Right. What, what, do you, there, there, what do you include in all that? There's economic impact. And then there is, which is the total of all the business generated in the city and state. And then there's tax dollars generated, uh, which obviously is a lot smaller uh, amount. So uh, for the Super Bowl, for instance, there's a gigantic number for economic impact of last time that we hosted it $480 million. That's an unfathomable number. It's just, it's just huge. It's off the charts. And Jay, what's that Well, number? but the state taxes generated for that we're over 21 million for the state of Louisiana, 
and over 10, 10 to 12 million for the city of New Orleans. So, and there's expenses that the city has going forward, the security, overtime, uh, other, other things that the city has to give up as part of uh, hosting a major event. So it's, 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 it's standard operating procedure for the NCAA or the NFL or other uh, uh, national governing bodies, as we call them, or event owners, to, when, when to ask for things to be provided at no cost to them. Some of them are city expenses. Some of them we have to fundraise for. Now, Wayman, as Director of Recreational Services at City Park, you're overseeing the Bayou Oaks Golf Course, the Botanical Garden, the Tennis Center, and events that pay to uh, rent the park, like the Voodoo Fest. And then there's City Putt. The math for City Putt is pretty simple. At an average of $10 a round, 80,000 rounds of mini golf a year brings in about $800,000. When you add concessions and private parties, I'd guess City Putt is earning City Park uh, close to about a million dollars a year. How does that stack up as a revenue generator for the park? Is it a major contributor to annual income compared with the other recreational services? Absolutely. You know, it's not $3.4 billion. Um, oh, did I, as, as what Jay I, has here. Oh, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, you know, every revenue-generating uh, business in City Park is very important. It's vital because, you know, unlike many other parks, we are, we're 90% self-generated with our revenues. So we only get 10% um, from the slot, the slot machines from at the fairgrounds. So it's incredibly um, important for us to, to get every dollar that we can get. So City Putt is a huge part of it. You know, we have something like a $21 million operating budget. One million of that comes from that one facility alone. You know, we have weddings and we have all these different um, venues that are inside of the park. So City Putt is critical to the success of the park, the, the long-term success of it. And are there, are there new things on the drawing board that we're thinking about? Or do I have to beat that out of you? Or how, does, how would that work? Well, I don't know about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it, it's very unique. We have a new CEO, uh, Carol Wright, who is... Uh, moving us forward. You know, Bob Becker did a phenomenal job of of the recovery of the park after Hurricane Katrina. And now it's looking into the future. You know, there are many different opinions on what we should be doing with it. Uh, we have the Wisner track of, of what we, we'd like to do with that. So it's not as easy to just develop something. You know, a lot of heads are, are involved in it. And um, as of today, we don't really have anything on the drawing board uh, in concrete. But there are, there's always things that we, we look forward to doing inside of the park and using what we have. You know, that's one of the beauties of City Park. We have this treasure right here in the middle of the city where you don't really have it anywhere else. You know, we're the largest, we have the largest collection of uh, mature live oak trees in the entire world. So we use that to our advantage. You know, it's a place where when visitors and tourists come into the city, they all you think about is Bourbon Street and downtown and all the the debauchery, the debauchery that... that <laughs> We were known for, but then there is a little oasis where you can come and enjoy things with your family and, and read a book under a tree, take a walk, take a hike, attend one of the festivals that we have um, in the city. So it is, you know, when we think about trying, we, we don't want to overpopulate the park and overdevelop it because it is sometimes a solace for people to come in. So, you know, we're very cautious on what we do inside of the park of, of not trying to develop things and and take away from that natural aspect of it. And I read that in the mid-1800s, it was a center for having duels. That was <laughs> well, um, the dueling kind, oak tree. Kind of, a, kind of 
kind of the early crime uh, work the, we were working <laughs> with. Uh, there's, uh, <laughs> by the way, I'm all in. I've played yeah. softball out there. My wife works at the Botanical Garden. I play golf there. I, I, I'm not a great golfer, and the big part is when I, my ball gets stuck in that windmill. So that's, yeah. uh, that's really the, the real issue. You know, Jay, I think uh, people don't understand the mechanics there. You, there's going to be a final four. Uh, you're going to go in there and pitch with them. What are you going to pitch based on? I mean, I think we already have a, uh, I wouldn't say maybe an edge because people love coming here. But what's the rest of it? How do you get them over the top? Well, it used to be, Peter, it used to be New Orleans had an edge because it was New Orleans. And, and that now other cities have really developed, caught on, uh, really want the piece of the pie that comes along with these major events. The media attention is something that, that a lot of people really don't focus on, but there's the economic impact and then there's the media impact. And the media impact is not really a... Some people try and put a number on it, but you really can't put a number on that. What is that, Jay? You're talking about the... The fact that uh, all of a sudden New Orleans is top of mind because it's on the screen there? Well, not just that, but the number of media that travel with these major events and that cover uh, the city, uh, the state, uh, the teams, uh, uh, everything of interest uh, for the entire week. I mean, you, it's hard to put a price tag on that. Uh, and the broadcast, the, you know, the broadcast component is just a, is some, if, it's a, if it's a ball game, it's a three or four hour uh, a commercial, uh, not counting the, the all the pregame shows and everything else. Uh, uh, something like the men's Final Four, which we have returning for the sixth time uh, next year in 2022. You've got a Saturday semifinals and uh, and Sunday, excuse me, a Monday uh, finals, uh, and then you have all the activities in between. Also comes along with a 6,000 person uh, coaches convention. Also comes along with concerts that are be down at Waldenburg Park. Jay, I got to tell you, the uh, there's that, a lot of other uh, things that that come that along with these me, events. The one that gets me though is is WrestleMania. I, I when the, I saw the numbers, I thought this is crazy. You know, I used to be in the same shoes as you. <laughs> I'm in the event business, and I didn't believe it at first. And I, and and believe it or not, the guy who is the site selection manager for WrestleMania uh, used to do what what I do in Orlando. He was the head of their sports commission. And uh, we were always rivals for events. And we've gotten to know, we had got to know each other over many years. And he took the job with, rest, uh, with WWE after they hosted a WrestleMania in Orlando. And he kept telling me, Jay, you've, this event, you know, this event is, uh, is bigger than you think. He said, it's, it's a lot more than you think. And I'm like, you know, well, we don't do wrestling events. You know, that's not what we do. And, you know, he was a, quite a salesman, so I knew uh, that, that, I, uh, that, that he was trying to sell me. And then our staff started to attend WrestleManias in, pre, in, 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 in pre- previous years to bidding. And they're like, it's, it's big. And I said, I still don't believe it, right? And then when we hosted it for the first time in 2014, it knocked my socks off. <laughs> and, and made me eat my words, and he was he was laughing all the way. So laughing so much that we wanted it back and got it back in 2018. And and uh, we were just it, it's very funny. A huge event. Uh, people from 36 countries attend all 50 states. It's it's nutty. And the the transformational uh, progress of of the their media following, especially on social media, is is through the roof. I mean, when you have <laughs> some of their 
uh, athletes uh, uh, and entertainers. They are colorful. They are athletic, they're, it's athletic entertainment is what it is. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Jay Cicero, president and CEO of the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation, and Wayman Morris, director of recreational services at City Park. And Wayman, you came from uh, a background that was pretty interesting, too. You were the guy at Jazzland. I was. <laughs> wow, yeah. That was my actual first job. Um, I was a ride operator there and, and stayed there and, and, and moved on to human resources to, and got a chance to see all of the the inner workings of that, and that was a, a fantastic place to be, believe it or not. What, what, um, what should it be, by the way? I'm not going to get oh, into it. All right, that. I know, I know. That was, that was kind of a loaded question. <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> I would like it to be something and not abandoned. How about that? There you go. It's really one of the saddest places yeah. to see. It's, uh, I, com- I completely agree with you. And Jay, are you, um, which family uh, are you with? Is it the, uh, the Roman scholar or the, the people that invented that suburb out of Chicago? Are those the Ciceros that you're related to? All or? of the above. All of the above, <laughs> yeah. By the way, Jay, I shouldn't let you, you off the hook either. You, um, you were with the Zephyrs for quite a while. And, uh, and I assume... Or you're not going to get any of this pizza. Um, were you the person that came up with the baby cake's name? I was not. All right, good. All right, I you go not. ahead. You can have all the slices you want. They, you know, my idea was the po' boys, which you could have played that Creedence song every inning and all, but I don't know what went yeah, wrong there. Yeah, I was with the Zephyrs originally when they were at University of New Orleans back in oh, 1993 and 94. Yep. So I was a first general manager there, and I came back to the Sports Foundation in 1995. So the transition to the um, the new ownership and the, and the new team name uh, was way after I was there. So <laughs> That's what they all say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> way after I was there. <laughs> you know, there's one source of revenue that you both get, and I hadn't really ever thought about, is that slot machine revenue from the fairgrounds. Where did that come from? Well, back, uh, we, back in 2007... When the uh, slot op- after Katrina, when the slot operation opened up uh, at the fairgrounds, it was actually Senator Ed Murray who helped both the organizations uh, that this was going to be a new source of reven- local revenue. We were we had been supported out of hotel motel tax for a number of years, and it was volatile uh, at the time. After 9/11, uh, it was volatile. After um, uh, you know years that weren't so great in, in uh, 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 tourism after Katrina, volatile going up and so down. So this is a steadier. It's a steadier source of income. And, and uh, the, the senator being a, a big fan of City Park and a big fan of the Sports Foundation really recognized the need uh, to get us both on some more stable funding. Well, I'm glad you are. And Wayman, you're now dealing with something that everybody's dealing with, but I think it's particularly difficult for you, and that's kind of the rehiring of the people you had to let go. I mean... Sure. Um, that was a tough time. You know, COVID, we talk about volatility, and that, of course, the entire world experienced the, the hardships that um, the pandemic brought about. We lost a great, great deal of our staff. You know, all of our part-time employees... And they're just seasons. gone. It's not a matter of picking up the phone and bringing them all back. We wish it was. We wish it were. You know, it. Lots of have. Some of our um, key people have gone on to different industries um, to say, you know, something that's more secure for their lives. Uh, 
nursing and, and going back to school and pursuing other opportunities. So it is, it, it's been incredibly difficult to rebound. You know, we call this the new Katrina for us. Um, we, you looked at, for, at the park for Hurricane Katrina and it was in devastation. But this one, you have a beautiful place and it's still in devastation because you, you can't operate it without people. So it's, it's extremely difficult for us to hire people. But, you know, we have a, a really good core team right now. We're, we're trying to attack it and, and just do what we can to get the park back up and running. And when, when the people that come to the park, I mean, mm -hmm. uh, I think, I guess like two-thirds are from Orleans and Jefferson. How are you getting, it seems to me more people are finding the park. As, are you guys advertising? Sure. We're like, there are trees around and you can distance. And, you know, that was, that was one of the biggest <laughs> things of, of COVID where you, we went, don't go into crowded places with other people. So people reverted to parks. They went, well, you can go outdoors and you can spread out over 1,300 acres and not be near someone. You know, the, the six feet, that, that. Yeah, you got. We have, we have way more than six feet apart. <laughs> so it was very interesting that during uh, the pandemic, the park was, we, our visitation actually went up because we, we just saw folks just wanting to get out and be in the fresh air and, and not have to, you know, you wanted to do something. But there wasn't much that you could do. But going to a park was definitely one of them. And Wayman, I mean, you have, uh, we're going to talk about Jay's situation in a second, but you have an odd structure. The, the city operates the park, but the state owns it? Is that, sounds like something from Huey Long or such. This kind of reverse. So it's city land. The state, um, we're state employees of so the state. It's a uh, quasi-entity of the state, but it's run by a board. So it's extremely unique, um, but fun at the same time. You're like, which part of the, the piece of the puzzle am I today? Am I city, <laughs> state, or, or something else? But it, it's a, it works. I don't know how it works. Someone put this together and went, we'll, we'll do our best, but it definitely works for us. <laughs> <laughs> and Jay, what is your arrangement? Uh, one of the things people ask, you've got a staff of like 10 people or so. Who owns the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation? There is no owner. Um, we're a nonprofit, so there is no ownership. Um, it, it, we're governed by an uh, executive committee and a board of directors um, that, is, um, uh, that manages and oversees the staff. So there's no ownership um, uh, of a nonprofit, but it is a, uh, uh, you know, our mission is to bid upon and manage sporting events uh, to create this economic impact and this exposure that comes along with the major events. So I must say that City Park is an incredible asset uh, for New Orleans. Um, and, and you may remember this. You may be younger than, than, uh, than, uh, <laughs> than this, but you know, 30 years ago, now we were renovating Tad Gormley Stadium for the first time in a long, long time. And it was a cinder track when we, were, when we, were bid, when we bid on the Olympic track and field trials in December of 1990. December of 1990, we bid up on it and it was awarded. I was hired the day we were awarded it. And we spent the next year and a half renovating Tad Gormley Stadium, making it into a world-class track and field facility and a facility that our kids could use for many, many years. And, uh, you know, that, that place has so much history and has so, has, has so, much, uh, so many events that have 
have been there over the years, including the Beatles and, and, and uh, right. <laughs> uh, so many legendary football games, high school football games, which is obviously huge to us uh, here in New Orleans. Uh, you know, those things are extremely important to us, but we've got a long history of that. We held the event. Uh, we hired a general manager at the time. He ran the stadium. City Park took it over after that, and I think they've had some issues. Uh, well, they had some issues, obviously, with Katrina, but... The, um, Actually, I'd the, like to say what, the stadium's wait, still there. Seems to me that nobody it was an awful thing, Katrina, but nobody benefited as much as City Park in a way. It seems like volunteers really <laughs> just it was like a moth to a flame. Well, yes. In short, absolutely. Um, until this day, we have volunteers that just give so much to the park. They give unselfishly. To, to different areas of the park, you know, and that's one of the beauties, you know, we have a great volunteer department that has to facilitate the volunteers because we have so many people that come in, but you can pick a part of the park and go like, I like that one, and you can volunteer there. So it's very unique to see folks go like, you know, I like the Storyland area. Can I pick up trash there? Can I clean it up? And can I, you know, but then you have folks in the Katori Forest, which yeah, a lot right. of people don't know about that, you know, that's their little place of the park. So it, it's... Very interesting. Like you said, after Hurricane Katrina, I think we were put on the, the map a little bit to go like, hey, we have this. You know, growing up in New Orleans, City Park was always a part of my life, but not in the way that it is now. You know, you had the sporting events. You, uh, I went to, you know, of course, in high school, you had Tag Only Stadium. That was the big place to play. But then now after Hurricane Katrina, it's different. It's, City Park is like a hub things you can come out with your family and doesn't have to be for a specific event you can have a picnic and and enjoy what we have to offer without actually going to something and wayman i you're a nice guy okay and uh yeah and everybody <laughs> loves city mean. park <laughs> yeah that's usually where the comma comes let me yeah. tell about some but, arrest record you have but it's uh but i got it you have there's been some controversy at city park i mean when they had the second golf course people didn't this idea that um this is give and take of the, the natural beauty of the park versus, uh, you know, we have the Children's um, Museum there, which is fantastic, but people want it to kind of stop there. How do you wrestle with that? That's exactly what we do. We wrestle with it. We, we solicit ideas and listen to our community because when you think about it, it's their park. It's a, this, the, for the people of this region, it's our park. Um, so you... you you listen to what people have to say. You know, before Hurricane Katrina, City Park was majority golf courses. And we had a lot of people that came and went, well, you can't turn this into a golf course. I'm like, well, it, it turned into wildlife. It turned into a destination <laughs> for you because it was uh, overgrown and unkept. But we thought about that and, and went, okay, well, that, that's a really good idea to leave it that way. If you look at the development that we did have, like look at Big Lake, that was once a golf course. That's a, an area of great use for the park now with the the walking trails and you know boating and just the the peace that that area brings that wouldn't have if, had we not been smart about developing those those areas we wouldn't have what we have now well that shows you're doing a good job because the the golfers are mad that they don't have more golf and the and the other people are are uh, are mad because that maybe there isn't enough natural space so you must be a a good balance. If no one likes you, you're doing the right <laughs> thing. Isn't that the first sign of a good negotiation? Right. Everybody's happy, is. right? Everybody's happy. <laughs> but I can say, I mean, I can imagine the challenge you have 
in balancing the need for private revenue and the need to keep the park for the people because not everything fits that model. Golf does in some, in some ways, obviously putt-putt does. Um, but to be able, you know, if you wanted to commercialize City Park, you could commercialize the whole place and generate enough revenue to, to cover it for many years, but it wouldn't be City Park and it wouldn't be our park. And I don't, it's a, that's an incredible challenge that you must got to face every day. There used to be two very distinct and different cities of New Orleans. One was the city tourists saw. The other was the city locals lived in. Today, those differences have been blurred and even erased, thanks largely to the Internet and social media. Apps like TripAdvisor and Yelp tip tourists off to spots that only the locals used to know about. And the growth of cultural tourism, spearheaded by Jazz Fest and French Quarter Fest, has further spread out tourists around the city. But the disparate experiences of New Orleans locals versus visitors still remain at either ends of the sports and outdoor entertainment spectrum. Giant sporting events like the Super Bowl are primarily for non-residents, while the activities at City Park, like mini golf and Storyland, are primarily patronized by locals. Jay and Wayman, you're both working at either ends of a vast spectrum, and both of your respective contributions to the economy of the city and the sporting and entertainment life of our residents are equally valuable. Thanks for everything you're doing for New Orleans, and thank you for taking the time to join me today and Out to Lunch. Thank you. We appreciate thank it. You. You're welcome. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Jay Cicero, President and CEO of the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation, and Wayman Morris, Director of Recreational Services at New Orleans City Park. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on WWNO, you can hear the unedited conversation and find out more about City Park and the Greater New Orleans Sports Foundation by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, it's neworleans.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Today's show is engineered by Thomas Walsh. Our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business, New Orleans style, on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch was recorded live over lunch at the NOLA Brewing Tap Room, 3001 Chapatula Street, open seven days a week. NOLA Brewing Tap Room has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic hand-tossed New York-style city pizza by NOLA Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.